1: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the twenty-fourth of August two thousand and twelve for newcomers. Make sure that you help yourselves to the website cutting through com because there's lots of info on there, lots of info where the big system is put together for you because you're born into an amazing system that you take for granted and you don't realize it's scientifically designed and that everything that you take as normal pretty well is put up there for you to jump at. And the same with your parents and grandparents before you, a massive organized system with an agenda works intergenerationally down through the ages to bring in a type of world system, but beyond that, too, into a new type of society, even a new type of human, eventually, or even types of humans down the road to do with serving the elite at the top. They don't need the old type anymore, and that's becoming more and more evident. Some of them have even said that, in fact, at the top, and they want to depopulate the world. And if you wonder why everything was going crazy with cancer, just skyrocketing over the last 30 years or so, it's because it's planned that way. And, of course, most folk can't suspend their disbelief enough to to get over the hurdle and accept what's really happening to them. And so they they go along with the media and entertainment and just play themselves and be happy. That's what we're encouraged to do every day with the trivia they've got for news. And, of course, academia, big academia is on top of this too because that's where they recruit from for the world managers. And that's what they call them today, world managers. And uh, there's many different uh, aspects of them and facets for them they go into in uh, sciences to, to basically help the masters control all the rest as we go through the, the times of transition. This is the age of transition, and this is the century of change, the planned change that these guys have been working at for hundreds of years, actually. So help us up to the website. Remember too that you bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests, and don't sell uh, uh, other products and so on or get shares out of them. And it's up to you to keep me going so you can help me do it by buying the books or donating at matrix.com. And from the US to Canada, remember, you can use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office or send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. As I say, straight donations are terribly, terribly welcome. Now, I've mentioned so many times before Uh, that um, we are the most studied species on the planet from the most ancient times to the present times. Um, You've all watched the nature shows and the goats into the wilds and zoologists study animals, etc., etc. The first animal that was studied was man himself, by man, you see. Because if you want to conquer people and live high on the hog, so to speak, you've got to find ways to, to blunt their, their, their intelligence or their, their reasoning abilities. And so it was done in ancient times through, through basically groups that became priests and priesthoods. And they would convince the public that they could stop the sun from moving in the sky or start it moving. They knew when the eclipses would come, things like that, and pull big flankers on the public. And the public would start to to worship these people. And it's never really changed. And of course, universities teach this kind of stuff quite commonly from the earliest times to the present uh, because techniques are never, they never go out of use. You can always revive them again and, and, and use them all over again. Today, for instance, we worship the scientific priesthood that um, people like um, Julian Huxley said would come into existence, and Bertrand Russell said it too. They said it would be a, a sort of tyranny of science, but that's the way it would have to be because science is, is, it doesn't have uh, uh, all the tenets of religions where at least the people have some kind of uh, worth or value to their god. Uh, science is different. They are the gods, basically. And, of course, and among scientists and other organizations, they do believe that they have the right to run the world on behalf of the masters who fund them all. It's quite simple. It really is quite simple. If you accept it, you you don't suffer so much. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and we truly are born into an amazing system and most folk are really oblivious from the day they're born to the day they die of the massive manipulation and to do with the most minute thing even in culture because everything in culture and the cultural changes are planned and big think tanks and debated and thrashed out. And brainstormed, as you like to call it, before it's introduced into society. And all of the, the fallout and side effects, too, are all debated before, as I say, it's introduced. So everything is is controlled, ultimately, minutely controlled, uh, that happens in the world, even all the wars. And when you go into the, the big organizations that helped to bring this system around, this, this global governmental system that they're in today with free trade, into Britain, London, to the Royal Institute of International Affairs and Council on Foreign Relations for the rest of the world, you, you'll find they've been at this for such an awful long time with geopolitics, for instance. As they're doing geopolitics across the world, using the British Empire as a, a form of base for free trades, as lo- and they would take you in as a new country as long as you adopted their system of governance, which means you would under them, basically, and they dominate you, um, then it's okay. But if you didn't go along with them, they would embargo embark use, until no one could get boats in or out to trade with you. And they've done this for hundreds of years. It's a very old plan. And so they said at the beginning of the 20th century that this uh, British Commonwealth idea would be the embryo uh, or or the nucleus of the start of the world order. America was to take over and help finance it and and become the world's policeman. And that's happened too. And during that time for America, they would eventually add countries into this system called democracy, free trade, etc., based on the British system that really isn't democratic at all, never was. So it's hard for most folk to imagine, it really is hard for most folk to imagine that people in and out of uniforms sit at big think tanks full time for their whole lives, you know, and institutions, private institutions that work for governments and intelligence agencies, and plan wars, plan wars with all of the disastrous effects from the wars, right down to how many people likely they'll kill in these wars, etc. It's hard for the average person to comprehend the mentality of such people. And and remember, too, these big think tanks in geopolitics have many, many wars lined up for the future, and what you're going through now is only part of their strategy that they've been playing this game from the 1990 or so to do with the Middle East and even earlier. But now it's this full go ahead with war, one war after another with the Middle East, and that's only part of their agenda. They've got other countries to take over after that too and change. But again, we're taught to play and be happy, and we're given lots of, of cheap, uh, very immature ima- entertainment today and um, most folk don't mind what, what's happening around them as long as they themselves aren't the targets. And it's very, very simple, therefore, for the big boys to take your tax money and, and pay for it all from your tax money and put you down, mind you, too, as a guarantor to all the loans that the government takes from the big world bankers to pay for it all. So, as I say, a lot of people kind of crash when they understand that they're living in some kind of of really a sci-fi in a sense because when they break out of their old conditioning which is your parents' conditioning uh, the school's conditioning too uh, into this reality of of, my God, the world is so controlled and it's got nasty plans afoot and there's nasty things happening right now uh, then some people are tempted to kind of break down or they panic and I I tell them don't panic about it don't panic whatever you do because it's, it's been here for a lot longer than you have And as I say, it's been near even when your grandparents were were there too. They didn't know either. So what you have to do for your own peace of mind is to find out about the the origins of what's behind it, who's behind it, the organizations behind it, and then compare it to even ancient times. And you'll find really it's not that much different at all. There have always been private uh, societies, clubs, secret societies down through the, the ages, for thousands of years. Even the early priesthoods were, were basically secret societies. Uh, they'd have one for the public, a face for the public, and one for, for themselves, within themselves. Even even the Pharisees or, or the rabbis, ancient rabbis, were a brotherhood, for instance. And they had one philosophy for themselves, for the inner group, and one for the outer group, the people that they kind of ruled over. So every, every society's had the same with Rome, etc with the Mithraic cult and, and, and other ones too. And therefore the techniques have always been known. Even Plato touched on it from Greece, uh, on uh, the different societies that, that abounded. And he himself, of course, belonged to quite a few because he had, like most of, of the aristocracy of Greece, was sent off as, as a young guy to Egypt to be taught the mysteries, as he called it, or of, of education. Mysteries en- en- encompassed uh, everything to do with the knowledge of that time, uh, higher knowledge that the average pe- peasant wasn't given access to naturally. And it was taken for granted just as it, then as it is today that there's always an aristocracy uh, that, that lives in a higher realm of understanding from those down below, a class system in other words. And it wasn't just Egypt they went to, they also went to the Levants and they also went to India, some of them. Because they did, a, they did a tour and once they'd done it all, they went back to either Greece or they were sent by their own society that, that sponsored it off to set up a new um, uh, group of followers in some other country. But anyway, uh, the whole point of it is there's always been this, this elitist group around, and all down through the ages. You'll even find when big empires fall, you'll, you'll seldom ever get mention of the elites getting wiped out. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Because, you see, the elite have always, with the money boys, because money is always involved, obviously, uh, even in the ancient Greece and the Roman Empire too, they had to borrow from the same, the same bankers, basically. And um, what happens? They move out long before the, the, the empire crumbles. They've already got a place set up to go. Nothing changes. Nothing ever changes. And uh, the same today. You'll, you'll notice that a lot of the elites in Britain, if you watch the the the, um, the sales of the very expensive housing, uh, some very old families have been up and moving. And you can't find out where they're going. But uh, even the Rothschilds sold off some of their big holdings in New York City and outside New York, massive multi-million pound homes or dollar homes. And uh, why? They don't need the cash, you see. And these have been handed down for generations and... So what are they doing? Well, they're all preparing, of course, for the next part of the phase as as we go through the financial crashes. And who knows what else will hit us, too. Because, yeah, we're at the mercy of a big, big plan. And big plans work because the public are getting very simplistic answers or reasons for nasty things happening to them. For instance, it's all your fault that you're poor and you're going to get poorer because uh, your parents or grandparents had to live too well. That's the kind of nonsense they give you from the top. But it's good enough for most people. You know, they'll accept that. In reality, your grandparents and your parents and yourself, you don't even know how much money your country is borrowing to pay for all its, never mind its, its, its world meetings. The billions it spends just on private world meetings across the world every year, many, many of them on the go all the time across the world. You don't even know that. So you can't blame the generations of the people. They're never in on the know of things. Or when you read the the books by some of the top ones, Gates, etc., and the articles to do with this lucky gene club where they believe they are so superior, they have the right to start killing off the general public across the planet. Uh, well these guys mean business. These aren't some, some, these aren't guys in the streets, schizophrenics, just yelling at the people passing by. These are the, some of the wealthiest people on the planet here in the Lucky Gene Club, talking about bringing us all down. And if you look into, into history, it's like the old James Bond movies. It wasn't countries that was your worst fear, uh, and, and nationalistic countries. It was actually private corporations that you're really worried about, because they, re- they wielded the real power. And that's what we have today. Now remember too, we're living in really the new feudal system, and that was from uh, one, the historian from the Council on Foreign Relations, that's what he said. The world we're bringing in is a new feudal system. Corporations and the CEOs of corporations are the new feudal overlords, and we're here. We've been here for quite a long time. But they don't, they don't simply go out there and, and work out business deals and so on. They also work out cultural deals. Because, after all, if you're going to put a, a, a big, big business in some other country, you want to make sure if that country is a bit um, different from, from the ones you're used to, you're going to train them to be the same. You understand, these big corporations have bureaucracies sometimes bigger than some small governments across the world. They do. Specialists in all these departments to do with with culture, etc., and they can alter it. And they also have a big say, and when you go into poor countries, as to what kind of education they'll be given, uh, so that they'll breed up a new generation of hardworking slaves. People don't even think of this, you know. They, they really, they really don't. There are some uh, very few journalists who've come out with this stuff in the past, but very, very, very few. They literally alter everything to suit themselves, and because they're private, then they're not responsible to any public, because they don't get voted into any any powerful positions. Now the same thing goes, as I say, I always read the articles from the Council on Foreign Relations, which is part of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and they say themselves, and everyone in their publications and all their books, they always say they're a private. Uh, non not-for-profit organization and yet here they don't play politics by the way, they're non-political and they're telling you the truth most folk would disagree They'd say, oh they are involved in politics, no they're not you see, politics is a game for you to believe in now they all put people in to lead parties, but they don't play politics, you're living through one agenda you see, these guys make the agenda, that's not politics back with more after this break Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about just the system we're born into that you take for granted. Most folk really do. And again, most folk, even when they think they're waking up, are not waking up unless they really dig into the causes of it and really find out what real, true reality actually is. And they caught up in too much crisis news every day because they'll throw out from the top crisis news every day that'll just wrap you up forever. You've got to find out why they're throwing this stuff out and what's really behind it and so on. And it's not difficult to understand, as I say, because you're living, as I say, in a new feudal system. I think, personally, the feudal system's always been with us. I don't don't think there was anything else. Uh, Although they'll use the term democracy to to push for war in other countries to bring in democracy, which is the same feudal system that runs us. Because, after all, the big central bankers dictate to the governments what to do and what, what they can and cannot do, according to the income and expenditure. So... We're in the system, and it's ongoing. And uh, and f- from the bottom perspective, you'd say it was naturally corrupt. And, and the top they see completely differently. I remember watching uh, a broadcast about um, Sierra Leone when they had the, the Civil War going on there. And the Civil War was brought on by diamond uh, uh, miners and speculators based in London, England. And a group, I think it was Man Alive from Britain, interviewed this top boss, this big tower in, in the city of London, uh, who had arranged for mercenaries to go over and start the war and, and train the locals to, so they got civil war going. That way, when they're all dysfunctional, you simply pay a pittance to the warlords and you can have your diamond mines going, going full steam ahead, take everything out the country and, and put very little, uh, pay very little in taxes or anything at all, or no taxes at all. But the guy at the top literally was hit by the man alive team asking him, what gives you the right to go into other countries and to start wars? And this man, from his point of view, the, the kind of fat guy, you know, with the expensive suit, uh, looked incredulous. He says, what do you mean? He says that they're sitting on all that land there with, my, with diamonds underneath them and they're doing nothing with it. That's what he said. He really uh, found it uh, preposterous that no one could see his point of view. And that's how it is at that level, you see. So, yeah, it was quite okay, you see. This is standard practice to go start wars and plunder them. There's there's nothing wrong with that in legalities. uh, It's it's all legal to go ahead and do this kind of stuff. But they saw nothing immoral about it either, you see. And that's how the world really, really, really is. And it it will always be that way, too. And when you realize that the same big boys, you know, they've taken over everything in the planets. Remember, the Royal Institute for International Affairs came out of the Milner Group, coupled with the Cecil Rhodes Foundation. The Cecil Rhodes Foundation was uh, was from the, 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 the Rhodes and Rothschild uh, amalgamation where they set off young, generally their, their own bankers' sons, international lenders' sons, I should say, across the world to foment revolutions back in the late 1800s especially in Africa, to take over their diamonds, gold, and everything else, and always blame uh, someone else for it, which they did awfully well. Even today they still use these techniques. You you blame other countries for it. And then you bring in your own armies to go to settle the score and and to to bring in peace, as they call that, too. So it's been going on forever and ever. But all of the world's resources they were supposed to take over, including food, water, remember, not just gold, silver, uh, and minerals. And it's still going on today for the big corporations. And I've read from mainstream who, who know how dumbed down we are today and how accepting of things we are today. understand, in a society where people thought at one point they were free, they were getting to a, 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 to a stage where they were thinking they were free for a while, you, you have to then dumb them down again until they accept your mastery. And so they publish articles in the papers for you to... To consider, but nothing happens about it and you won't do anything about it. And so you start to accept that you're being mastered. And they had all the top oil companies, for instance, uh, meets with Tony Blair in, in London before they hit Iraq so that they could divvy up the shares in oil fields before, so the plunder was going to be shared as all plans before the region went in there. And the reason they bother putting that in the paper today is because it's to teach you that you're mastered and nobody will really object about it. It's a few, oh, that's terrible, from a few groups, uh, and then it's quickly gone. Again, that's how it happens. And so when people don't take um, responsibility for the, the happenings in their own lives, uh, then you're also acquiescing to being mastered. You, you are. You're accepting that. You're giving legal authority by your silence. And at one time, people that had a bit more freedom wouldn't have stood for what they stood for, what they stand for today. Here's an article here, for instance, and it's about uh, the food. Now, the food now is, is in the hands of about five big agri-food businesses across the world, corporations. Every government on the planet has backed the GM food because they're all part of the same system. Your government is not, their, it's not your government. The government and the guys that are put in are put in by corporations, like the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And they admit that in their own books. They put them in. They give you the presidents and prime ministers across the world. And so the, um, when you see your food supply taken over and your water supplies across the world then you should really be upset. If you if you were perfectly sane, you would be. But most folk you see are not sane today. They really are, are not sane. They're perpetual children. Back with more after this break.
0: You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
1: Hi folks, I'm Alan We're back cutting through the matrix and talking about reality because it's a hard thing to grasp, isn't it, for most folk who've been indoctrinated and watch a lot of television, or even a little television, that's bad enough. But as I say, the, the big boys went out to take over all the corner of the markets and everything that is needed, not just the, the excess stuff, but what's really actually needed, and, and, uh, and that's where money really is because folk will pay anything for food and water, believe you me. And um, I got to laugh, too, because you get good articles coming out once in a while, but then the big boys jump in. In other words, the ones that you think are there, some sort of official organization is going to stand up for the, for the poor and so on. You, know, you get Oxfam and, and you get the United Nations, all part of the system, by the way. They're the rubber tools. I call them rubber tools. Because in this life, you're told that there's real organizations and real government departments you can complain to. And you believe it all your life until you need to go there, and they'll give you rubber tools, just like giving you a rubber pick, and you try to pick the road and just bounces it off. You see, it's fake. And But you, it puts all the people back to sleep. They think, well, oh, I guess it's real. I've got departments and official organizations that will do things, and I'll sit back here and play again. Because you to play all the time, apparently, according to television, you see. And they really have changed the culture that much. People really play until they die. Uh, And they have nothing to pass on of any wisdom to to any other generation. But all your food supply now is up on the world trading market, you see, and futures and and, and all the rest of it. All the games that they did with the housing crisis are all getting manipulated now with the world's food supply. At one time, not too long ago, the countries had to make sure there was enough food for their own people, first and foremost. But really, since World War II, governments, uh, and during World War II, governments really stepped in and took over a lot of the law uh, and made laws to do with agriculture, etc., etc. But anyway, that's a whole different story. But there's an article here. that says, we'll make a killing out of a food crisis, Glenn Corr trading boss Chris Mahoney boasts. He says, every so often a business titan forgets himself and drops his guard and tells us what he's really thinking. So it was that a big cheese, at the world's largest commodities trader, bragged that the world's drought uh, to hit the US since 19, the worst droughts to hit the US since the 1930s, and the worrying volatility of food prices around the world will be good for Glencore, their big corporation. It says on one reading, Chris Mahoney, the business time in question, appeared to be celebrating the destruction of 45% of America's corn. And 35% of its soybean crops this year The crisis threatens to push cereal prices to a new record in a move That'll put further pressure on the world's poorest people And raises the prospect of a fresh round of food riots Mr Mahoney's comments and inputs have put the spotlight firmly back on food prices Which rose an average of 6% globally in July While cereals accelerated considerably faster Jumping 17% uh, percent to within a, a whisker of their record in April 2008 the U.S. weather, uh, starting mid-May, has been amongst the worst three or four years of the century, comparable to the Bowl years of the mid-30s. And it says, in terms of the outlook for the balance of the year, the environment is a good one. High prices, lots of volatility, a lot of dislocation, tightness, a lot of arbitrage uh, opportunities, which means the sale and per- purchase of an asset to profit from price differences in different markets, he added. I think we'll be both able to provide the world with solutions, getting stuff to where it's needed quickly and timely, and that should also be good for Glencore. His boss, the Glencore chief executive Ivan Glassenberg, described the current volatility of food markets as a time when industry fundamentals are the most positive they've been for some time. So scarcity of any kind you see drives the market up, and they drop their hands in glee. Big corporations are famous for this, even in the gold industry. They have warehouses full of golds and diamonds too and they simply hold it back when they want the prices to go up, making it more scarce. Same with food and anything else. This is, of course, Mr. Mahoney is entitled to profit from the trials and tribulations of the food market. In some ways, a commodities trader like Glencore, which is listed in the London Stock Exchange but headquartered in Switzerland, can help to ensure that the world is fed as efficiently as possible. But a growing army of critics, including the United Nations, well, there's your rubber your rubber tool to give you. The United Nations as part of this system to put you back to sleep. It argues that traders and speculators are making the food crisis far worse than it needs to be. Some banks, amongst them Germany's commerce banks and Deutsche Bank and Austria's Volksbanken, have even removed agricultural products from some of their investment funds they offer their clients because they're sensitive to accusations that speculation is pushing up prices, which of course it is. However, other big fund managers in the area, such as ETF securities and shares, say that they have no intention of stepping back, so they're going to go for the biggest buck they can get. Now, remember, too, that that goes for all the the produce in your own country. Uh, The big boys corner the market, not the farmers, but the big boys that take over, uh, middlemen, and then they speculate, and with your food on the world market, and they'll sell to the top bidder, of course. So anyway... Everybody jumps in, all the rubber tools, uh, Oxfam and United Nations, which was set up, remember, by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, food's going to skyrocket, too. And remember, too, uh, part of the blame, too, is also because well over a third of the crops now are going for, for, because of the laws they've created in every country, going into biofuel, you see. So that in itself drove it up as well an awful, awful lot. And that's a law that you have to put at least 30-odd percent growth, 30-odd percent of the biofuel. And, and that's what ends up in your gasoline tank, 30% to the gallon. So corporations really own everything. And uh, as I say, even the water supply. I can remember in Britain uh, when about, I think it was six members of parliament put forth a bill to privatize what was supposedly the public's water supply system across the country and they wanted to privatize it, and they, and they got it passed, and then they immediately all left politics and became the CEOs of the big corporation uh, that, they, that now owned the water supply of Britain, and then started taking water uh, supplies across the world as well, and gas too. By the way, water and gas is what they went into. So they get the public for a long time, and this is how politics works, you see. It's like a sham for the public to believe in. Because you vote left-wing until until you're, you're so sick of them, and then you and vote right-wing, you see. The left-wing always come in, nationalize everything, put your money into into industry, like, like trains and commerce, and get everything working properly using your tax money, upgrade all the systems, and then income and the right-wing, and then they sell it off to themselves. This is the technique that's used, and it's a scam. Because both parties are there to fool you, you see. And they've done an awful good job about it too over the many, many years. So I'll put this link up tonight. There's that one, and another one from the same um, uh, source as the Independent. But, again, it mentions all, all the other organizations that jump in, that don't, don't, don't do any good at all. Remember, the United Nations has a Department of Population, which is population control. Remember that. Remember that the United Nations also has a Department of Agriculture. And you'll find it in their, in their own records that the head of the Department of Agriculture has said in the past that food has, often, has always been used as a weapon. Remember that, folks. Remember that part. Those of you who like the, the fuzzy stuff and propaganda that comes out of the United Nations. It's part of the control mechanism, big time, for globalism. But that's the kind of world we live in. Now even little old Greece there has been told it's going to start to sell off its islands now. So the, the Greek prime minister says the country is to sell off the islands in a bid to avoid bankruptcy. Again, look at what happened with the bankers it was Goldman Sachs, you know, they went in to Greece before they, they, they were given permission to join the European Union. They had to have a company, uh, a so-called reputable company, come in and do their bookkeeping and say, yeah, you're, you're clean, uh, you've got enough cash there, you're not massively in debt, and, and give them the okay. And they signed it so that Greece could get into the EU, right? Goldman Sachs did that, knowing damn well that they already had massive debt and they shouldn't have been in, in the first place. But the same big bankers, remember, crashed the planet here. The planet, for goodness sake. And we haven't recovered from it. All that debt to, to bail them out on you and your grandchildren. For those who will have any grandchildren, that is. And, and and they're still running the show yet. So getting back to Greece anyway, it says There are around 6,000 islands in total, many of them which are uninhabited. And the Prime Minister told the French newspaper Le Monde, on condition that no national security problems posed, some of the islands could be used commercially. It would not be a case of getting rid of the islands, but of transforming unused terrain into capital that can generate revenue for a fair price. Here they are selling off their homeland, for goodness sake. To, To who? Corporations. Corporations—they're all part of a big cabal that work with the bankers. Often, they're owned by the bankers. Some of them—you didn't know that—but they are. <laughs> a lot of the big boys—the the biggest ones, in fact—are actually owned by the bankers. They have the controlling interests. And everything. And, and even even your war industry too. All the big boys in the war industry—they uh, they own the corporations to the bankers. But that's that's the real world. We're run by privates private corporations that work together and have their international meetings. And they all get together. I put the posts up before when IBM come up every so often to give you the, the shape of the future to come because they help plan it all. So just smart cities across the world, things like that, integration of all the systems to to, to observe the populations and monitor the populations, etc. And every corporation who, that's a corporation at all is there. They have to be there and you have no say in anything. And they plan the future, and the governments implement the future that's planned by IBM, right down to their building, their smart cities and the integration of all their cameras, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, as they're doing all of this, of course, and and, uh, when unemployment really skyrockets, as they well know in the States too, uh, drug addiction skyrockets too, because they ensure there's a good flow of drugs, which takes care of people uh, rioting in the streets. I can remember Margaret Thatcher, who said something honest for once, and she said that she said that um, to do with when she opened the, the the bars, the pubs as you call them, all day long in Britain when she was in. Because before that, they were only open for a few hours, uh, from ten thirty to about twelve thirty or something, and then they had to open up at five or six at night and close at midnight. And um, and she made them open up all day. And what she said was, because there was massive unemployment, because all the policies were bringing in, plus they didn't tell the British people that all their big corporations were moving offshore. Long before you'd heard of free trade or China getting put up or anything like that, they were already building them up over in China and the Far East and moving them out of Britain which meant massive unemployment at home. And she said, I'd rather have the bars open all day and have the the young people spending their welfare checks in there than out out in the streets rioting and protesting. And that wasn't some sort of callous comment she was making. She's telling you the truth. It's all a science, ancient sciences. It's been used over and over. And in Scotland, too, that's always going to be, it's it's really going to get hammered because of no purpose for it, really. Uh, Now they don't need soldiers anymore. That's the main thing they usually have is is just produce soldiers for the British Empire. But says, town hits out at proposals to introduce heroin substitute methadone. And basically, uh, the Scottish health services, the top guys, are pushing to have methadone put everywhere, You see, so if they can't afford the booze, you see, which most of them probably can't now, we'll give them this instead, you know. Get them drugged up, keep them on it for 20-odd years till they die, or, or less, whatever it takes them to die. And the state is the biggest drug pusher that there is. So, it says, the National Health Service bosses are determined to force a new methadone clinic on Campbelltown. Despite fierce opposition from locals, the coastal town is opposed to the methadone plans, and it says that health bosses are trying to force one of Scotland's only methadone-free towns, one of only, one of Scotland's only methadone-free towns, to start dishing out the heroin substitute. All six GPs in Campbelltown refuse to prescribe it because they don't think it works. Well, they know that, and believe it makes drug problems worse. Of course it does. <laughs> Not better. But I'll tell you one thing. They don't go rioting in the streets. They're too out their, their, their minds to get up there and, and find out what's going on and, and be able to even uh, um, put it across in a coherent manner and re-object to it. They're out their skulls basically, and that's what a government is doing to its people by design. Because there's an old technique and it works awfully well. They don't care what kind of drug they give you. Even the Soviet Union, even Orwell's 84, he had that. In, in his book, because it's always been used, booze, booze has always been used, and you, you'd always get a bottle of, of vodka in the Soviet Union, very easily and very cheaply, whereas you'd have to stand up in some towns for food and lines, queues, just to get some, some basic food, but not the booze, dirt cheap and fast, fast service, now it's drugs you see, that's the reality of what you're living in. So you've got winners and losers. Remember what Jack Satali talked about? Winners and losers in the coming New World Order. And that was written in, in the year 2000. And it's here. And everybody today is trying to get up into the winning category of grabbing as much cash as they can by any means they can in the hope that they'll survive everything that's going to come down the pike. That's how bad it is right now. Remember that, folks. Everybody out there is doing it. And meanwhile, governments are are pushing methadone, a substitute for heroin, on the public. And the public have to pay for it all because the addicts are broke. What a world, eh? And we want to put this system across the world and give them, and we'll call it democracy. Isn't it some nice democracy? Huh? (laughs) Yeah. You better figure out what democracy even means, folks. And the CIA uh, they smuggled 14 Stinger missiles into Syria so that rebels can take out Syria's warplanes. And smuggled, so it says here that the ground to air weapons have been delivered across the Turkish border. The U.S., by the way, Madeleine Albright and a whole bunch of them, i a CFR article, I might shove it up there tonight, uh, they made a deal with Turkey, I wondered about that. Uh, and Turkey's uh, on board with them. They get a lot of cash too, but um, and supplying a lot of the rebels, by the way, to to take down other countries. But uh, so now they, they put it across the Turkish border to to, and then they can they can send it off back to the free so-called Free Syrian Army, and. Uh, President Bashar al-Assad's MIG-23 warplanes and helicopter gunships have killed more than 1,000 people. We don't know if that's true or not, but we do know that all of the wars in the Middle East were started by the West. And that's just a fact. I'm not making that up. It's in your face. It's published. It says the West and the rest of the Middle East is not going to be able to secure a no-fly zone above Syria anytime soon, so the only way we can stop the carnage is to take on Assad's air force from the ground. So there's the U.S. openly um caught again giving them uh, weaponry, lots of weaponry. Because so the, the rest of all the small arms stuff is getting put through Qatar. And that's they've been using for ages, too. But that's the real world we're living in. Now, the poll tax they had in Britain and massive riots over that, like a headcount tax, is coming back, it seems to be, because the politicians are all on board. They're all for it. They'll call it something else, of course and then they'll take your houses away like they tried before. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix, and I'll take a call. Now, there's Carlton... From New York if you're still on the line there. You there, Carlton? Hello,
0: Hello Mr. Wilder. How's it going?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Um getting crazy out here today. I don't know if you heard, but um today in Manhattan, close to like um thirty fourth street around that area, there was a um, shooting where a man lost his job yesterday It came in back to the job and shot the, man, shot the manager dead and somebody else and like injured like nine the people that's right but it's just starting to jump off as you say all the time but i don't know if anybody like emailed you about this or anything but while i was while i was watching a little bit of the olympics mm-hmm. i used to run track so it kind of took me back to the yep. things i used to do but they kept showing a, um, a premiere, or not a premiere, but an advertisement for a new show that they came out and now. You should probably start getting a little copyright um, things going on because you're the only person I've ever heard use the term new normal. And they have a new show coming out called New Normals. Yeah. And it's basically, from what I can see, talking about, with a comedy and it's just basically taking your basic social issues and degrading it in a com- comical form so yep. mm-hmm. it's just, just to let you know you just phrases out there you're yep. the only person
1: I've ever that's right that is the new normal and, and uh, part of the new normal now too is even a study that came out today to do with with uh, from Britain to do with the don't mind swearing cursing, nudity or sex on television anymore, they got used to it because they've been trained to it, so that's the new normal there, and a lot of it was done through comedies and and these kind of shows that you're talking about as well and you've got to remember too that whatever shows they show you in the US, often they've had in Britain first, they call it a different name when they bring it out to the US and they use American actors but but they've done this for 40, 50 years uh, Three's Company was Britain, was Britain's and then brought it into the US. Uh, Archie Bunker was done in Britain first, uh, with Alf Garnett and then it brought it into the state. These are all training exercises to alter the culture of the people. Uh, and, uh, that's how it, it's always ongoing. And, and, the folk think it's actually American or it's, it's their own, but it's not. It's actually from Britain because Tavistock's heavily involved in the culture industry. But I saw that at the, at the, at the big, it was the big Rockefeller building, wasn't it, in Manhattan. And uh, the guy shot them and, and apparently the cops opened fire and, and they shot quite a few bystanders but, but 80 of them by mistake or something But we're going to see more and more of this As, as uh, things get worse and worse Absolutely, yeah
0: yeah. Well, it was kind of weird though How you had the Batman thing That shooting pop off And then you had the one like a week later after that mm-hmm. And then now you got this one Like two weeks later yeah. I don't want to say that it's playing because, you know, a lot of this is symptoms of the main problem. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of crazy how all this stuff is just jumping off now.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, see, the old the old days are gone where you could get a job at quite easily. In the 70s or 60s or 70s, people could just work a few weeks in a job and move to another one. There's was, there was always a shortage of labor. That's all gone now when people are desperate and when you lose your job now and you live in a city, what, what, what are you going to do? I mean, you're, you could be on the street in no time at all and no one cares in a city. They just don't care. So they'll use this opportunity, this crisis is an opportunity though to bring more laws down, of course. And, and everyone will suffer because of it. But thanks for calling. And from Hemi, she was my dog, of course, and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.